This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. During times of humanitarian crisis, the Voice of the Martyrs Canada is frequently asked how the mission will respond in any given situation. Now, we understand the motive behind those that are inquiring based on genuine concern and compassion and thus prompted by a desire to alleviate the suffering of those who are caught up in these horrendous circumstances. Of course, now the eyes of the world are focused on the invasion of Ukraine by the Russian military, and many are asking, how are we responding to this mounting humanitarian crisis? To help us with that question is Floyd Brobel. Floyd is the Chief Executive Officer of the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Floyd, thanks for joining me. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me on this podcast. Uh, Always a pleasure to be here. Now, we've worked together at uh, VOM Canada for a lot of years, and when these kinds of situations happen, now Ukraine is a little bit different from some of the other things like uh, more of the cataclysmic um, mother of nature kind of events that happen in places like Sri Lanka, but the calls come in, they say, Voice of the Martyrs, you guys are working in Ukraine, you're working in Sri Lanka, you're working in these countries where these things are happening. How do you determine yourself and as the leadership team at VOM Canada when you get involved and some of the criteria for getting involved? Yeah, that's a good question, Greg, because a lot of people, of course, see that in those situations that Christians are suffering as well, right? And so the genuine response is to want to help their brothers and sisters in the midst of of that type of suffering. Um, But when it comes to Voice of the Martyrs Canada, we believe that we've been given a specific call to help and come alongside persecuted Christians. And so we, we find ourselves in situations, especially initially, whether it's earthquake or, or some other uh, event that's causing trouble, where it's not really persecution why Christians are suffering, because other people are suffering just as, as badly as, as Christians are. So Christians are caught up in this particular case in Ukraine. They're caught up in the, in the conflict um, that's not persecution related. Uh, so we encourage then our supporters, uh, if we have partners that work in the area that are doing good work on the humanitarian front, helping helping all sorts of people caught up in a conflict, we would steer people to, hey, this is maybe where you want to consider giving um, to that need. Um, if it's not persecution related, then it's not really a position where Voice of the Martyrs can get involved. So Floyd, recently uh, you wrote a blog, uh, you know, concerning the situation with Ukraine and to help those, uh, you know, that want to know and say, how does Voice of the Martyrs get involved? When do you get involved? What is the criteria? And our friend Glenn Penner, who is with the Lord now, but uh, years ago, uh, you know, responding to this and trying to, you know, keep us, you know, on target in terms of what we're to do. Uh, but, you know, at the same time saying, you know, we still care. We we desperately want to help people. And many of us are doing it through other organizations. And we're going to give some uh, information on the podcast notes. And uh, we'll also talk about later in the program. So how does it work then, Floyd, in terms of keeping on track when Voice of the Martyrs gets involved and kind of what are the guardrails? Right. So, so we have a working definition that we use to help us determine if this is uh, religious persecution or if this is suffering of a general kind. So the working definition that we would use for persecution is that it is a situation where Christians are repetitively, persistently, and systematically inflicted with severe suffering or harm. And they're deprived of or significantly threatened with deprival of 
their fundamental human rights because of a difference that results from being a Christian, which the persecutor will not tolerate. So what are some of those fundamental human rights? Some of those fun of human, fundamental human rights would be uh, uh, the ability to, to find sustainable work, uh, to be able to feed your family, uh, to get education, to get health care, um, security, right? Uh, freedom to, to worship. Those are fundamental human rights that would be uh, taken away from Christians in situations where we would see religious persecution. And then further, I think the definition, while it doesn't say it there, uh, it can be implied that there is a, a specific intent of the persecutor uh, to deprive Christians of these fundamental hu human rights because they're Christian, either because of their, their Christian witness or, or testimony or their Christian identity. Uh, maybe some of them are because of their conversion to Christianity. Uh, so they will see this type of backlash specifically because of their Christian faith. And this is how we yeah. would see the difference between what is playing now uh, in Ukraine, where we see it's an act of war right now, uh, as opposed to religious motivated persecution. Yeah, and, and I think it's so important, you know, for Voice of the Martyrs Canada and all our partners and Open Doors and others that work with the persecuted church. That's our focus. And there's, you know, organizations like, well, Samaritan's Purse, uh, what, you know, I'm involved in, we're involved with the Crossroads Christian Communications. They have their Crossroads Cares. Again, the information will be on the uh, podcast show notes mm -hmm. because there are organizations that are already working. And in fact, I was speaking in a church uh, just this past weekend, and I was talking about what was going on in Ukraine. It's pretty hard not to talk about it. Everybody is enveloped in the particular community here in Alberta uh, has a large Ukrainian population. So people sure. know you know, people that are going through, in fact, my neighbors here, uh, he is a, a pastor of a local uh, church here in town in Edmonton that is Ukrainian. So, you know, it, it's all around us. We understand it and we're very concerned about it. Uh, but one of the things I was able to say is that when it comes to the voice of the martyrs, we are monitoring the situation in Ukraine. And I know that's been your approach. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I think that's why you're in the, you're the leader. Uh, you can step back a little bit. I'm going, come on, let's go, let's go. But I've learned over time that if we don't keep our focus on the persecuted church, we'll be doing all sorts of things that God hasn't called us to do. And then taking right. away from organizations like a, you know, Samaritan's purse that can load up a 747 and go right into Ukraine. We don't have that ability. So tell me about right. a st story that I thought was very interesting because you and I, we've traveled uh, to Sri Lanka together and uh, we have, you know, traveled around and we've seen the persecuted Christians and we've gone into many of those rural areas where there is a lot of suffering. Tell me the story when you were with one of the leaders there and uh, their response and how they affirmed you and keeping that focus. That was interesting. It was just shortly after the tsunami hit uh, Sri Lanka and I was traveling with one of our partners. Uh, through Sri Lanka, we were going to go visit a project location. So visiting some of the pastors that we were helping. And uh, you know, Greg, that often uh, the, the longest part of the journey is the travel on the ground where it takes a significant amount of time in vehicles to get where we need to go, uh, which is a great opportunity to connect with, you know, the people that were traveling with our partners and just not only checking up on how the work is going, but just checking up on them personally as well and how their families are doing and connecting. So it was, we were having this, this typical conversation and, and suddenly out of the blue, 
my friend just turned to me and said, whatever you do, please let VOM Canada continue to be VOM Canada. And I, I thought it was kind of strange. Where's this comment coming from? And so I asked him, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you know, you know, we've seen this, especially when we have certain crises. Of course, Sri Lanka went through that civil war um, and now with the tsunami that there are a number of agencies that are doing great humanitarian work and coming where needed and when needed to bring aid to the people. He said, but there's so few organizations that are specifically focusing on and taking care of persecuted Christians. And so he, he, he basically was just encouraging me to continue to lead the ministry, and at that time was the international work, to, to remain focused on, on supporting and encouraging persecuted Christians in the midst of conflict and suffering, not to get sidetracked by, you know, the other competing voices out there that would, that would take, take our time and take our resources. And then, uh, you know, it would be to the detriment of, of persecuted Christians. So let humanitarian organizations do their work and we can do our work. And, and I just find that's, that's such a great fit, right? That we don't have to worry about doing that because there are great people doing that type of work. And then we can, we can purposely and, and, and specifically and strategically focus in on how do we support those that remain in the midst of those difficult situations to be salt and light. And I just think that's, that's something that we take seriously. I think it's, it, it, it's, it's part of what it means to be a steward of, of the good gifts that God has given us and the resources he, he's given VOM Canada uh, to fulfill the call. And, and we have to continue to remain focused on that. doesn't mean that we don't care about, you know, the other organizations or the other people that are suffering. Uh, we just have a specific call and, and uh, we just trust that the rest of the body of Christ and the rest of the organizations will feel free to do the work that they've been called to do. Yeah. And that's, and that's why people are supporting the voice of the martyrs. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it, uh, when you uh, donate uh, to the voice of the martyrs and we consider you partners, uh, you know, we're not just donors, but you're our partners in the work that we're doing around the world is that's what people want us to be investing in. And I know at times though, Floyd, it is difficult when we go into some of these uh, situations uh, where people, our brothers and sisters are extremely poor. But one of the yeah. things that we don't want to create, and I've tried to, you know, not only with my work with the Voice of the Martyrs, but even personally, because, you know, over, over time, I've got to know a lot of people and have the 5,000 friends on Facebook. Yeah, they're all like close friends of mine. Uh, but there's always this need for for money. And I, and I understand it. There's times when the Lord taps on our shoulder and said, yes, I want you to give there. But I know one of the things with Voice of the Martyrs is not to create dependency. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. You know, anytime you come face to face with human suffering, it's totally different than when you see it on a television screen, right? When you're face to face, you know, seeing this firsthand on the ground. Uh, and, and realizing that this is not what we're called to do, uh, it's very hard. And, and sometimes you're right, we are, we are prompted and motivated to, to leave a little gift behind. But, you know, the last thing we want to be seen is as the rescuer. You know, we are not, we are not a rescue mission. Uh, we, we just simply come alongside and, and strengthen what remains, strengthening Christians in the midst of suffering and, and turmoil. And, and we never want to be in a position where, we take away uh, their dependency on, on God, right? It, it is the Lord that his promises are in his word, that he will never leave us. He will never uh, forsake us. 
he will give us the very things that we need to do the things that he's called us to. So, you know, in, in, in that we can stand on God's promises in the face of some very complicated and difficult questions, right? Um, I've been with, with Christians in, in Turkey, for example, that have fled Iran uh, and are in Turkey and they're in terrible conditions, right? And, and you're meeting with them and, and, and there are no answers for me. It, it's, you know, there, it, it's difficult circumstances, but the nice thing is, or, or the, the comforting thing is that I don't need to have the answers. I just need to point them to Christ and say, you know, he is sufficient and he will provide for your needs. And I know this is true because he has promised it over and over and again in his words. We have suffering in this world. We live in a world that is full of turmoil, yeah. full of conflict full of suffering and that's as much as true for you and for me as it is for every every believer every person in the world right um and if i just focused on well maybe if maybe if my political situation changed in canada things would go better for me maybe if if i just had a better paying job things would be better for me maybe if maybe if uh you know i was healed from whatever i'm suffering things would be better for me but what is that doing we're really putting our hope in things like, like I would say, horses and chariots, right? The Psalm says some trust in horses, some just trust in chariots. We're looking for the things of this world to, to supply and, and take care of us when really we need to be looking past those things and say, God is the supplier of horses. God is the supplier of chariots. Our eyes need to be focused on him. And that's going to look different for you. It's going to look different for me. It's going to look different for the people that be tuning into this podcast and it's going to look different for our persecuted brothers and sisters. But Greg, you know, time and time again, we hear this testimony from, from Christians living in, in, in difficult and dire circumstances, from, from even our founder, Richard Wormbrandt, in the middle of a, of a prison cell, 14-year term prison. They come out and they say, God is faithful in the midst of their suffering. And, and you can't take that away. And so we have to continue to encourage Christians to continue to look to him. And so the last thing I would want any persecuted Christian to do is to look at VOM and say, ah, they're our savior. They're going to help us through this. They're going to be our provider. No, we're, we're being used by God. We're being sent by God into situations. We're, we're trying constantly to understand what is the Lord calling us to do in the midst of this situation? How is he calling us to help? And then we simply step out in faith and do those things and, um, and pray that those that we are helping uh, would just continue to, you know, be able to do the work of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment and, and the church continue to grow. Yeah, and, and the church is growing phenomenally in places where they don't have a lot of uh, money and resources. And I think even the Canadian right. church uh, and the Western church is learning, uh, you know, COVID, a lot of people have stopped going or stopped giving or don't have the resources. And, yeah. and ultimately, it comes down to trusting the Lord. And I know I've been convicted on that many times. Uh, yeah. You know, and when you talk about the whole thing of dependency, uh, I've found myself now, if there's a need, somebody is asking, especially if I've had yeah. a uh, you know, relationship with them, maybe somebody I taught it in Pakistan at a Bible college or somebody, you know, met along the way that I give their trustworthy person. And I said, okay, you know, maybe I can help in this situation, but 
maybe I shouldn't. And so right. that's, so sometimes you just, you kind of have to wrestle and I don't want to make things worse uh, because that may, you know, they're relying on Greg. They're not relying on God. Now God right. may speak to me and I just find because of emotion, I have to step back. And right. if I still feel the Lord stirring, then I want to get involved, you know, with that person and help where I can. So for, let's exactly. go back now to Ukraine. Uh, what will you be watching for in terms of that country? Because we have worked there in the past, uh, especially uh, with pensioners, those who under communism, they were believers, they suffered intense persecution. Uh, and we've done some other projects there. But in light of what's happening now with uh, Russia going in there, we pray that uh, Ukraine will remain an independent country and, and their sovereignty would be protected. But if that doesn't happen and the Russians get back in control what will you be looking for? And at some point, do you think that Voice of the Martyrs could be involved? Yeah. Um, in, in the areas of Ukraine that are now have been controlled by Russia uh, previous to the war, I think we're looking at the Donbass region and Crimea. We've certainly seen uh, where the Protestant church has been discriminated against, heavily discriminated against. Uh, and, and we've had some projects going there uh, we've done the Action Bible projects and and helping helping persecuted Christians in those regions. So, uh, should should uh, Russia succeed in in controlling Ukraine, we could certainly see that um, non Orthodox believers could face a tremendous amount of pressure, um, discrimination, uh, persecution. Um, we, we're not sure at what level yet, but you, you could see some prominent pastors arrested. Um, you could see um, certainly um, churches, you know, having to, to meet somewhere else or, or restricted from meeting or, you know, a number of restrictions. And so we, we would be keeping our eye on that and, and um, seeking to help, you know, where we can. But right now, what I can say is that, um, you know, there are many Christians uh, in Ukraine and prominent pastors who have decided to stay. Yeah. Uh, they are not fleeing. Uh, they have decided that the church needs to be there. Uh, the church needs to be uh, helping their communities, uh, taking care of the sick, taking care of the wounded. Uh, they've been storing up food. They've been storing up water. Uh, they've been uh, medical, uh, medical equipment, and uh, they've been ready to, to jump in and help and, and, and just be you know, agents of peace in the midst of a, of a hostile situation. Uh, and, and they have, they have been reporting that, uh, as with any crisis, there often is a, a huge spiritual hunger that's taken place. And we see that, and we're hearing about that in Ukraine right now. And so we, we felt that one of the ways that we can get involved, uh, right now is to be able to, uh, resource the church in Ukraine uh, with New Testaments. They're, they're calling out for Bibles. Uh, so we have a goal uh, of, of, of uh, getting 50,000 New Testaments in the hands of uh, Ukrainian Christians, churches, and pastors that would be able to not only uh, be encouraged by that themselves, but be able to, to pass these New Testaments out to those that are really seeking, to those whose, whose world have been shaking. They don't have an opportunity to escape they're asking questions, deep spiritual questions. They're searching. Uh, they're able to get a New Testament and and then be encouraged and, and pastored by those that remain. And uh, should should aggressive forces come in, we're able to you know maybe put New Testament hands in the hands of uh, of uh, Ukrainian soldiers that are fighting and and um, 
you know, so that they also uh, are, are uh, receiving the truth. So that's something that we're working on right now. It's a pretty aggressive uh, project that we've taken on, um, but it's something that we strongly feel the Lord has called us to do. It's a cry from, from the Ukrainian church to us. They're not asking for us to, to take them out of the situation. They're not asking for um, anything else but, but prayer and, and Bibles. And so uh, I think that's very important that we be able to pray for them. Uh, I love how Pastor Wormbrandt put it, you know, when we meet persecuted Christians, we, we provide a piece of bread and the bread of life. And, and that's such a beautiful yeah. picture uh, that I, I see that we have the opportunity to do here. Yeah, it's been marvelous to see how, you know, many of the pastors and, and Christians in the country, they've had an opportunity to flee. I think, what is it? It's over 2 million now that have left the country. It's unbelievable what's going on. Unbelievable, in fact, yeah. you were just in Poland recently uh, with some of the other uh, VOM leadership. Uh, what were some of the things right. that uh, you heard? Because, I mean, Poland, and we work uh, quite strongly there. I've had the privilege of, you know, being over there with our team and speaking in churches. Uh, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're under a lot of duress right now. What? So what did you see and what did you hear while you were there? Yeah, uh, one of the we felt one of the heard that one of the strategies that that Putin had was weaponizing uh, the refugee crisis, and so yeah. you know flooding the neighboring countries and overwhelming them with refugees, and and uh, it's another way of creating uh, a vast amount of instability. And yet we see Europe has been rising to the occasion as not only not only the I mean the Pol Polish community has taken on the bulk of these refugees. But but uh, uh, Europeans from other countries are coming in with buses and uh, and vans and they're picking up uh, Ukrainian refugees that want to go back with them to whether it's in, in Germany or in Italy or wherever they're from uh, and they're being taken care of. But it but it's a heavy toll. Right. So even even the families that have taken in Poland that have taken on um, the you know, many of these Ukrainian refugees, it's it's. You know it's tiring because yeah. because you're dealing with people that are shell shocked. They're they're in trauma. Uh, they're weeping all the time. They're in turmoil, um, and it's it's becoming very difficult um, even to have them in your house and to you know even though it's it's the right thing to do. It's it's it comes at a heavy cost. And so you know many many that are working on the front lines and in, in helping the aid. They're tired. They're uh, they're very you know they're worn out. Uh, we have a friend uh, whose family has been helping on the front line. Their son came home the other day. He's been working there day after day, and he came home completely. Uh, he, he was sick. He came down with some nasty virus that has completely wiped him out. And so there's, you know, there's a heavy, heavy toll to pay that way as well. And, and, and yet we see them rising to the occasion. So while I was there, you could definitely sense a tension in the air, um, you know, Poland is very leery of Russia. Many are asking what, you know, what's to stop Russia from invading Poland? Uh, if, if they get Ukraine, they've, they've done it in the past, you know, and, you know, history has shown that they've done it in the past. And um, so they're, they're prepared. They're, they're, they're waiting anxiously to see how this all plays out. You know, it's interesting to see how, you know, countries all over the world, especially in the West, but other places as well, that have rallied around uh, Ukraine. And I know that there's this frustration that, uh, you know, more should be done while the bloodshed continues. You know, people have been starving, uh, you know, even 
you know, maternity hospital got bombed. I mean, we just can't imagine the level of evil, but yet there's been a pulling together. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the persecuted church. We've been in nations where, you know, there's been a lot of division as there is in Canada with different denominations and churches. But one of the things that we have seen, though, is that persecution often draws people together within the body of Christ. And I think it's even happening at a greater level right now, even here in Canada, as we've gone through some of the the pandemic and everything like that. So we're going to continue, of course, to be praying about Ukraine. One of the things I'm telling people, Floyd, is when they're watching the news uh, and you get overwhelmed and there's times me, you just need to take a break from it. I'm a bit of a news junkie. I like to know what's going on. But when you hear those stories and see those images is to pray because the same God that we talk about that's looking after us, he is also looking after them. And even in the midst of these situations, there still can be the peace of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's promised that Amen. peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. So we want to, you know, we give some links here. We have uh, our friends, uh, Mission Euro Asia. Again, I'll put that information there. We're also uh, working with Crossroads as, as I host 100 Huntley Street, and we're doing some great projects together. Crossroads.ca slash Ukraine. Again, there are so many ways that you can respond to what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, Floyd, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about the last couple of years. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs, you and I, our team, our friends around the world, a big part mm-hmm. of what we do is traveling. Now, you mentioned you're in Poland, mm-hmm. so there's some normality maybe in that side uh, happening. But, uh, you know, I haven't been able to travel much and gather stories from the persecuted church. Our international projects team haven't been able to go, uh, you know, go visit the projects like we have in the past. So what's the last two years been like? Yeah, it's it's uh, travel wise, it's been dry. We haven't been able to go into the field. And yet we've been able to communicate quite well with our people in the field and get some uh, firsthand reports. And, you know, it's 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 never like a face to face and the impact of a face to face meeting. Uh, but in some ways, right, uh, with Zoom, it becomes more efficient. Um, you get right down to the details and, and the information that's needed. Uh, just the ministry aspect of that, sometimes it gets hurt because you, you know, there's, there's one thing uh, to pray over Zoom, but when you can, when you can be in, in face-to-face uh, with a persecuted brother or sister and, and to, you know, to at least hold their hand or put your hand on their shoulder and just to, to pray with them together in one room. Well, that's, that's just, you know, those are the intangibles that, that we're missing, but certainly we've been able to continue the work and, uh, and, and uh, amazingly uh, continue the work. And many of the projects that, you know, they initially experienced some delay because of COVID and, uh, but, you know, our partners were able to work around some of those things and uh, we've been able to do quite well. So, as the world opens up, we're, you know, we're still trying to figure out how do we travel well. And, you know, I hear there's, you know, new variants coming down the, you know, down the horizon to, to challenge us. But I think overall, it seems to me that the world is saying we need to learn how to live with this thing as opposed to shutting down and, um, and, uh, and trying to find uh, ways that we can continue to you know, live and work and, and uh, do the things that we need to do. So, so that's encouraging. And we hope that continues and continue to take every precaution and, and, you know, and, 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 uh, and pray that we are really wise in, in the, in the, you know, the, the, the trips that we, we feel we need to take, we really need to have a good, good sense of discernment of what is the Lord calling us to do and where is he calling us to go. And, um, 
operate in wisdom that way. And so I think what you'll see is a, a hybrid of, of uh, us being able to get into some areas again uh, and then using the technology uh, uh, like Zoom and, and other communication methods to, to do some follow-up to connect with our partners and to, uh, uh, to really get a sense of what's happening and going on. Yeah, and I th- well, the fact that we're even doing this podcast, uh, you know, is birthed out of just having some yeah. time to uh, to find new ways to reach people, and uh, you know, through social media and uh, some right. of the connections. And you know, I've done a lot of teaching and preaching uh, in this room, uh, literally yeah. all over the world, and been able to gather stories and and being with our persecuted brothers and sisters, and 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 learn so much from people like Dr. Eric Foley. Uh, you know, some mm-hmm. of the theology and what God is doing around the world. It's it's really been an interesting time. Uh, you're mm-hmm. right. There's nothing like the, you know, being in the same room, praying and uh, and being with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, but this is a it's a new day. It's a new time. We we have to learn how to be effective. I know we're talking, you know, recently and my personality is I like things in a row and I like to plan ahead and all that. And uh, with traveling, you don't know. And all of a sudden there's this travel restriction. You can't go and you get frustrated and thinking, well, that's kind of like our brothers and sisters in Christ. They yeah, have to live exactly. it day at a time. And and why should we be any different? So exactly. we're going we're gonna to continue to pray about the situation in Ukraine, because one of the things, Floyd, about Ukraine, uh, because there has been, you know, freedom, uh, you know, relatively there, there, of course, has been some issues in government and corruption and like there is in all countries, but it has really been a launching point uh, to other countries countries around, especially some of the former Soviet countries, nations mm-hmm. that we work in, you know, you think of Belarus or Azerbaijan and Tajikistan and some of those places. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's not only what's going on in terms of the church in Ukraine, but also how, you know, Ukraine is a launching pad. So again, I think, don't you think that's something that we really, I need to keep an eye on as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and at the same time, I've, I've heard that opportunity from Belarus as well. Christians in Belarus felt that they were they were a prime nation to be able to go into the former uh, Soviet uh, countries and, and be able to do the same work. And interesting that that would be shut down just yeah. because of their involvement in the war. And, and as I, I think about Belarus and, and uh, Russia in terms of this conflict, then certainly we need to be praying for Christians in those countries, right? We should be praying that, you know, for for uh, for the president Putin, that that he would relent and stop yeah. this uh, this attack. But but remember that there is a church in in Russia. There's a church in in Belarus. And uh, I, I got a report just today from from a, a contact in Belarus that said many, many are fleeing because they're being they're worried that, uh, you know, they'll be conscripted into the Russian army and forced to fight in Ukraine. And that's the last thing they want to do. And so many of those are Christians as well that are, are trying to get out of Belarus. And uh, so not, a, not only do you have a number of Ukrainians that are fleeing, you have a number of Belarusians that are fleeing and looking to Poland as well. So that's, that's something that's not even being reported, right? But that's just adding additional strain and stress to the situation. And so, you know, we, if ever there's a time to pray for resiliency in the church, it's now. And, um, and praying for resiliency within the Ukrainian, Belarusian, Russian Polish churches, those countries that have decided to to step up and and help in the midst of this crisis, uh, and to be salt and light that situation, um, you know they they def- they definitely need our support, and uh, uh, they need the support of Christians worldwide. Uh, this is a great opportunity for the church globally to 
to just shine the light of Christ and be his hands and feet in the midst of, uh, you know, some real pain and suffering uh, to all those who are suffering and, and, and hurt in this attack. And I would say, of course, not just Christians, but, but anybody that's suffering as a result. Really, you know, have an opportunity to have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace and, and to go into the situations with, uh, with, with the good news and, and just tangible support to help for the physical suffering that's taking place. Yeah, there and there is so much suffering, and but as you talked about earlier, there's also a spiritual hunger, and I've heard reports that people are, you know, going to church even on a more regular basis, even though there's all these bombs dropping yeah. around them, or you know, seeing worship services breaking out in subways, and nobody saying, "Hey, stop singing," you know, even those that might yeah. not even believe in God. So we know that the Lord. It's often in the crisis when he works the strongest because I think it's people's mm. hearts are open. There's fear and what happens when I die and all those things that we we think about. So we'll be definitely monitoring the situation in Ukraine and 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 the other places where we work, in, yeah. including Belarus. And uh, you know, to hear and I, I remember being there and, and meeting some of the believers, just so passionate about Jesus. And uh, so, in the midst of all the turmoil, God is working. So, Floyd, before we uh, close here, can uh, you lead us in prayer? I know there's a number of things that we've talked yeah. about today, and uh, you know, it's kind of like when I watch the news, and at the end of it, you just go, "Oh man!" Yeah. But when we've presented so much information here, yeah, we're presenting you know things that are going on that are real hard, but we're also presenting hope because we know that Jesus is drawing people to himself. We know that the church of Christ will continue to advance. People will come to know him, but yeah. what's in prayer that activates that. So, uh, so those that are listening, join with us. Uh, if you're driving, yeah. don't close your eyes, pull over, or you can, you can drive and pray at the same time. Uh, so anyway, brother, can you lead us in prayer? Yeah, bef before I pray, let me just close with this story. So, so I've just in, as you said, in Poland and, and one of the opportunities uh, was to go into one of the mountains and uh, pretty high up and uh, go visit a place that where uh, persecuted Christians used to meet in secret. So it's, it's high in the mountains, it's all wooded area. And that's where they would, they would go up and worship together. And so we went up there and we stood on the spot where many years ago, uh, Christians worshiped in secret, persecuted Christians worshiped in secret. Israel real underground church, outdoor underground church, uh, amazing to be. And I, and I was sitting there pondering, taking it all in and saying, realizing that, you know, this used to be a country where Christians were persecuted and, and here we are standing in, in a country where there's freedom. And it was just such a, an encouragement to me, yeah. not, not that I'm standing in a country of freedom, but what hit me was that God always leaves a remnant right? God always leaves a remnant of faithful witnesses, regardless of how dire the circumstance is. And so we should be encouraged, right? That, that the church is not a victim. Uh, it's a victor. And uh, it's going to be hard pressed. It's going to be challenged. Uh, we're going to face difficult circumstances and situations. But we are conquerors, right? We are more than conquerors through Christ who lives in us and has claimed us and redeemed us as his own. And so, so when we hear and, and talk about, you know, this, this report where we're talking about Ukraine, when we're hearing about the refugee crisis, when we're hearing about the devastation of war, it's, it's not that we're not concerned, but uh, we are not a people who are without hope. And, and as you've mentioned already, let's, let's not be hopeless in this situation. Let's have confident hope uh, that the Lord is doing something. Uh, he's working in ways that we cannot see. And he's going to be using his church to fulfill his his purposes and and 
uh, his plans on the earth. And uh, so, you know, the we fight a defeated foe. So let's let's not forget that in the midst of all the stuff that we see in the news and the devastation, um, that there's some really good things coming and happening as well. Uh, so with that, let me pray. That's yeah. Good. yeah. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Father, we just thank you again that you are God, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you reign over us all. You reign over this world. Nothing has taken you by surprise. You saw this uh, attack coming even before it happened. You saw the pain and suffering even before it happened. And you are present in the midst of the fiery trials that we go through, God. You are the God who comes down in the midst of our suffering and says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will help help you. I have a purpose and a plan for you, Father, uh, for us. And we just thank you for that, Father, that you um, protect and you strengthen and you purpose your church for action. And I just pray, Father, that we uh, today, even now, as we've talked about these things in Ukraine and and some of the persecution issues in the world that we even here in Canada get a greater sense of the purpose that you have for your church in Canada, that we would be bold witnesses for Christ, Father, that we would go about diligently the work of the Great Commission, giving the good news uh, to all who need to hear it in the spirit of the Great Commandment, loving you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, God. and. We just pray that we would see the gospel advance uh, here in Canada, in the Ukraine, into Russia, God, mm -hmm. and in places around the world where you're actively working and at work. I pray that you would protect the pastors that have decided to stay and, and Christians and church members that have decided to stay in war-torn uh, Ukraine. Father, I pray that you would um, enable them to uh, just be your hands and feet in the midst of difficult circumstances and situations. I pray that the Bibles that we're planning and, and others are planning to get into the country, Father, would go through and in uh, unhindered and into the very hands that need to have a copy of your word, God. Yes. I pray for those that are doing all the, the humanitarian work uh, along the border in Poland and, and in Moldova and, and other countries where their refugees are running, God, I just pray uh, that you would um, uh, be be strong in those that are seeking to serve and to help. And uh, I pray, Father, that they would be able not only bring relief, but they would be able to bring hope uh, and bring your gospel into those trying and difficult circumstances, God. Mm -hmm. Lord, we, we give you praise and we just humbly ask that you use us, uh, use us for your glory and for uh, your great name, Father, uh, that the world may see uh, that you are Lord and that you reign over it all and that uh father that um you have not abandoned your people uh, you are with them even in the midst of this circumstance and we give you all the praise and glory that is due your name amen amen well thank you for that floyd good uh, catching up and uh, again we'll continue to pray about the situation in ukraine and as things unfold we will be you know keeping up to date here on the podcast and at yeah. vomcanada.com and all that we're doing around the world uh these are and i've heard missionaries say that the this is the most exciting time to live yeah. and the most dangerous time to live uh, you know as the persecution of the church you know accelerates and we see all these wars and rumors of war and pestilence and pandemics and all these things we know that we're getting closer to the end and you know my kids will ask so dad is that it I said well 
I don't know. I imagine if I was around during the Second World War, I probably would have yeah. felt that the end was near. Uh, you know, we've been in countries like, you know, South Sudan and places like that where it just seemed like there was no hope. And yet Jesus hasn't returned. And, and when I'm in churches, I often will say this, Floyd, is that the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is he still wants more to join him yeah. eternity forever. Amen. And uh, so, you know, one eye to the future, which will be, you know, in heaven with him. Uh, and when all the tears and all the pain, everything is wiped away. But with that eye there, we also have our eye here. What is God doing now? And I appreciate the way that the Lord is using the voice of the Martyrs Canada and again, mm -hmm. the people mm -hmm. that uh, that are supporting this ministry. So God bless you, brother. Thank yeah. you for uh, Thank you. being on Closer to the Fire today. Yeah, God bless you, bro. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.